Greetings, this is podcast number 51 of Blast the Right. I'm Jack Clark from TheRationalRadical.com, www.TheRationalRadical.com. Today we have two segments. First, we'll discuss the unfortunate fact that as the incomes of the super wealthy have gone way up and their taxes have gone way down, they've decided to become less generous in their charitable giving. Next, will consider the possibility. Karl Rove, champion of social justice. Hint, Teddy Roosevelt will have something to say on this subject. Oh, let's get right into it. One of the quotations I use most often is from the late John Kenneth Galbraith, who said that, quote, The modern conservative is engaged in one of man's oldest exercises in moral philosophy, that is, the search for a superior moral justification for selfishness. Close quote. This segment will provide a perfect illustration of this. A right-wing mantra is, if you give the rich tax breaks, they'll have more money to contribute to charity. And since private charities help the needy more effectively than the government does, the poor will be better off. A related part of right-wing moral philosophy is, don't worry about the income of the rich increasing far faster than everyone else's, because again, they will use their new wealth to help the needy. In other words, a moral justification for tax breaks for the wealthy and their garnering an increasing share of our nation's income and wealth is, the needy will benefit. Is this one of Galbraith's moral justifications for selfishness? It would seem so. The rich have gotten tax breaks and have gotten wealthier compared to everyone else, but they haven't been behaving as right-wingers said they would. The rich are giving less to charity. The rich have gotten stingier. As you know by now, virtually nothing right-wingers say will happen in a particular way ever does. My sources for this segment are a New York Times article by David K. Johnston and a column by Paul Krugman. Let's first establish that the wealthy have gotten the tax breaks and the increased income the right promised would lead to increased charitable giving. We know from past podcasts that the wealthy have gotten the lion's share of the benefit from Bush's tax cuts. In the most recent round, According to David K. Johnston's story in the New York Times, quote, The Tax Policy Center, a nonprofit venture of the Urban Institute and the Brookings Institution, estimated yesterday that 80% of the tax savings would flow to the top 10% of taxpayers, and that almost a fifth of the benefits would go to the top one-tenth of one percent, close quote. The richest 10% of us get 80% of the benefit. If this tax break continues for 10 years, like Bush wants, the cost would be about a trillion dollars, a thousand billion dollars. If 80% of that is going to the top 10%, that means 
$800 billion in tax breaks for the richest 10% of Americans. $200 billion for the top one-tenth of 1% one alone. This tax cut is in line with previous Bush tax cuts for the wealthy. Okay, check that off. The rich have been getting their tax breaks. They've also been increasing their income far more rapidly than the rest of us. Paul Krugman recently summarized some data. Quote, Even if you exclude capital gains from a rising stock market, in 2004 the real income of the richest 1% of Americans surged by almost 12.5%. Meanwhile, the average real income of the bottom 99% of the population rose only 1.5%. Close quote. The richest 1% of Americans saw their incomes grow at eight times the rate of the rest of us. And it's not just the poor and the working class who are falling behind. Krugman writes that the increase, quote, didn't just bypass the poor and the lower middle class. It bypassed the upper middle class, too. Even people at the 95th percentile of the income distribution, that is, people richer than 19 out of 20 Americans, gained only modestly. The big increases went only to people who were already in the economic stratosphere. Close quote. So the top 1% saw their income soar further into the stratosphere, the next richest 4% had modest gains, and everyone else, 95% of the country, got essentially shafted. Remember this as we continue on here that the average American has not seen any appreciable increase in their economic well-being since Bush became president. Charitable Giving According to the tenets of the right wing, since the wealthy have gotten both huge tax breaks and rapidly increased income, we should be seeing a veritable flood of charitable giving by the rich. Are we seeing this? If the right wing says we should be, then you know the answer. We're not seeing this. At all. Quite the opposite. Get a load of this. In 1995, those who earned over a million dollars gave 4.1% of their income to charity. So in 2003, the latest year we have figures for, we would expect an even larger percentage to be given to help the needy, correct? After all, right-wingers said this would happen. Well, in 2003, those who earned over a million dollars gave a smaller percentage of their income to charity, declining from 4.1% to 3.6%. As the wealthy benefited far more than other Americans from tax cuts, and as the wealthy saw their incomes increase far faster than other Americans, the wealthy actually reduced the percentage of their income they gave to charity. A decline from 4.1 to 3.6% is over a 12% decline. This is so despite the fact that every year under George W. Bush, the poverty rate has increased. And every year under George W. Bush, the number of Americans without health insurance has increased. So even though the need increased, the wealthy reduced their giving, were less generous, 
were more stingy. But, and this shows the difference between those who worship money and allow greed to rule their lives and the rest of us. Those with incomes under a million dollars increased the share of their income they gave to charity from 1995 to 2003, from 2.8 to 3.5 percent. That's a 25 percent increase. These people saw the increased need, dug into their pockets, and tried to help meet it. Even though, as I indicated earlier, their income has not been appreciably increasing. The super wealthy cut back by 12%, the rest of us increase by 25%. And in case you're wondering, do the super wealthy make it up when they die, giving more of their estates to charity? Again, sorry, not the case. Those with estates worth $20 million or more decreased the share of their wealth they donated to charity from 1995 to 2004 by over 17%. And the percentage of such estates that literally gave zero, not a zilch to charity, increased as well. Hey, right-wingers, does all this mean we can take back our tax cuts from the super wealthy? So you see, the right-wing line that, oh, they'll give more to charity when they get their tax cuts and increased incomes, is just what John Kenneth Galbraith postulated. Yet another moral justification for selfishness. The right-wing value to live by. You gave them the old razzle-dazzle. You razzle-dazzled them. You gave them an act with lots of flash in it. Made them believe you were compassionate. Gave them the old hope. Focus, you misdirected him with 9-11 and Saddam Hussein. You played them both right to perfection, despite the fact there's no connection. You razzle-dazzled them, let those blue states complain. If this were a dictatorship, it'd be a heck of a lot easier. <laughs> Just so long as I'm the dictator. <laughs> you gave them the old, stay the course, I'm your man. Recently a piece by Carl Rove, published in Time magazine, caused my jaw to drop to the floor. Rove so stood reality on its head, the only thing I could think to compare it to is when Sean Hannity and his listeners who write in and parrot it to me claim that the GOP is the civil rights party and that African Americans have been bamboozled by Democrats into voting 90% Democratic. For more on that, check out the Sean Hannity's Big Lie About Civil Rights segment in Podcast 11. Back to Rove. He had the temerity to write a pean to Teddy Roosevelt entitled Lessons from a Larger-Than-Life President. Here's a bit of Rove's opening, quote, He was an extraordinary man by any reasonable measure. He was among our most consequential presidents, changing America in deep and lasting ways. A century after he served as president, he still has many things to teach us, 
close quote. This already had me reeling. Teddy Roosevelt still has many things to teach us, Rove says. One of the most salient and disturbing features of the Bush presidency has been the administration's attitude that Bush's conduct of the so-called war on terror is beyond criticism, that much of the criticism directed at Bush is tantamount to treason. Compare this to what Teddy Roosevelt declared in 1918 in the middle of World War I. Quote, to announce that there must be no criticism of the president or that we are to stand by the president right or wrong is not only unpatriotic and servile, but is morally treasonable to the American public. Close quote. Roosevelt's view is the exact opposite of the Bush administration's. Teddy Roosevelt said it's treasonous not to criticize the president when you believe he's wrong. Yes, this is a lesson Teddy Roosevelt can teach us, and the one who needs to learn it the most is Karl Rove. So this got me reeling, Rove picking Teddy Roosevelt to praise. Roosevelt would be condemning from coast to coast the Bush administration's attitude towards dissent. Then a specific thing Rove wrote, as one of the seven lessons that Rove says Roosevelt has to teach us, is what made me go from reeling to falling down on the floor. Before I go on any further, let me give my sources for this segment. They are Time Magazine, AFLCIO.org, the Miller Center at the University of Virginia, the Library of Congress website, FreeRepublic.com, the New York Times, Newsmax.com, and the Seattle Times. This is lesson number two, according to Rove. Quote, Politics should be animated by large, important ideas, with big issues like America's role in the world, social justice, and fairness in competition. Close quote. Social justice? Social justice? Have these words ever before been written by Rove? Has he ever spoken them? Ever even thought about them? Does he even know what they mean? Rove is the mastermind behind the Uber Social Injustice Administration in perhaps all of U.S. history. Yes, Roosevelt was a strong social justice type guy, but the Bush administration policy is the complete and total opposite. A massive, sustained, and deadly economic attack by the super-rich upon everyone else the middle class, the working class, the poor. Is Rove himself not one of the master strategists for the stingy rich we discussed in the last segment? I'm going to illustrate Rove's, oh, to put it as nicely as I can, Rove's intellectual dishonesty. A bit of background. A central element in any conception of social justice is that if you work hard and play by the rules and keep your nose clean, you should earn enough to live a decent life. A living wage is that income level that allows you to lead such a decent life. Ensuring that all full-time workers are guaranteed a living wage is a key component of any rational person's social justice agenda. 
A living wage requirement is essentially a hike in the minimum wage. It is not a government program that spends money. What does this have to do with Teddy Roosevelt? Teddy Roosevelt was an early proponent of the living wage concept. Listen to TR in his own words. This recording was made in the early days of sound recording, so the quality is not great, but I think you can make it out well enough. We stand for a living wage. Wages are subnormal if they fail to provide a living for those who devote their time and energy to industrial occupation. The monetary equivalent of a living wage varies according to local conditions, but must include enough to secure the elements of a normal standard of living. A standard high enough to make morality possible, to provide for education and recreation, to care for immature members of the family, to maintain the family during periods of sickness, and to permit a reasonable saving for old age. Maybe I should repeat it because if you're listening while driving or otherwise engaged, you may have missed some of it. It's important and worth repeating in any event. Roosevelt said, quote, we stand for a living wage. Wages are subnormal if they fail to provide a living for those who devote their time and energy to industrial occupations. The monetary equivalent of a living wage varies according to local conditions, but must include enough to secure the elements of a normal standard of living. A standard high enough to make morality possible, to provide for education and recreation, to care for immature members of the family, to maintain the family during periods of sickness, and to permit a reasonable saving for old age. Close quote. It's interesting to note that the other Roosevelt we had as president, and Teddy's distant cousin, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, also implicitly endorsed the living wage element of social justice. FDR framed it in the concept of what liberty means. An old English judge said once upon a time, necessitous men are not free men. Liberty requires opportunity to make a living, a living decent according to the standard of the time, a living which gives man not only enough to live by, but something to live for. In the present-day United States, minimum wage workers are not paid enough even to survive, let alone to have Teddy Roosevelt's normal standard of living or Franklin Delano Roosevelt's something to live for. So Carl Rove who wrote that Teddy Roosevelt has much to teach us about social justice, must be an ardent champion of a living wage, just like his hero Teddy, right? Wrong. It's the exact 180 degree opposite. Not only are Rove and the right wing against raising the minimum wage to a living wage, they're against raising the minimum wage at all. Right-wingers in control of Congress have refused to raise the minimum wage since 1997. It's been stuck for nine years at $5.15 an hour. 
That's $10,700 a year. The federal minimum wage has severely declined in purchasing power over the decades. For the minimum wage to have the purchasing power it had in 1968, it would have to be about $9 an hour now. Typically for greedy right-wingers, even though they refuse to increase the pay for poverty-level workers, Congress has generously increased its own pay during this period by over $31,000. That increase alone is three times a minimum wage worker's pay for an entire year. Right-wingers try to publicly justify their greed by arguing that raising the minimum wage would hurt the working poor because employers would cut back on hiring them. In the exact opposite formulation of the pro-living wage Teddy Roosevelt, the real, unvarnished right-wing attitude of Rove and the others was well summarized by Bill O'Reilly, our all-purpose representative for right-wing greed. When you hear far-left Americans use the terms economic justice or income inequality, you should know these are code words for socialism. It's not the government's duty to control the distribution of wealth. Socialism and communism do that. None of us should be surprised if Teddy Roosevelt is turning over in his grave at the invocation of his spirit and leadership by the likes of Karl Rove, someone who stands for the exact opposite of so much of what Teddy Roosevelt believed in and fought for. So there you have it in both our segments today, The Stingy Rich. Isn't it interesting how all right-wing policies involve funneling more money to the already wealthy? For example, tax cuts that favor the rich and keeping wages low, which means more profits for the owners. What's interesting as well is that right-wingers always claim these more money to the wealthy measures will benefit the poor. Tax cuts for the rich will allow greater charitable contributions, and keeping wages of the working poor low will ensure that they are hired. In the right-wing universe, to benefit the poor, we must give more money to the rich. John Kenneth Galbraith's Superior Moral Justifications for Selfishness Indeed. Which all leads me to ask you, right-wingers, if in order to help the poor, we should give more money to the wealthy, does that mean if we want to help the wealthy, we should give more money to the poor? My head is spinning trying to make sense of right-wing logic. One thing is, to use a favorite expression of a right-winger of yore, perfectly clear. As surely as the sun rises in the east and sets in the west every day, right-wingers are consistent in their greed and selfishness. Well, that'll about wrap it up for today. If you liked what you heard, please tell a friend about Blast the Right and vote for Blast the Right at podcastalley.com. There's a one-click link to do each of those on the podcast homepage. I want to thank all you Yahoo subscribers who went over there and gave me good reviews to counteract the right-wingers who went over and gave me one-star reviews. 
a programming note. Next week, we should be back on the regular Thursday schedule. Now a word from the Progressive Podcast Network. He the deserves more than a beach for that man. Hi, this is Nancy of Wake Up AM, Wake Up America podcast. Kathy, Meg, and I are proud to be members of the Progressive Podcast Network. Check out all of the great podcasts over at newmediarevolution.org. Music credits. The bumper music was You Razzle Dazzled em by Bill Jacobs. We'll close with a little bit of Peter Finch as Howard Beale in the classic film Network, combined with the song No Justice, No Peace by Wacky Avelli. Links to all the music I play on Blast the Right can be found on my music resources page. Links to all the statistics and quotations I use can be found on my data resources page. Both of them are linked to off the main podcast homepage. I love getting all your comments. Write to me, rational at adelphia.net. You can also call in and leave a comment for me to play on the comment line. That number is 310-933-5891. You can also Skype me at Jack from Blast the Right. So, until next time, I'll sign off and say I love you all, including all you right-wing misguided souls. You've got to get mad! You've got to say, I'm a human being! God damn it! My life has value! So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Come